Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back to Parenting Naked. This is Misty White. We've got Danan Moore here. Gretchen Levy is absent from today's session, but she'll be in our thoughts and spirits until the next recording. And then we have a really awesome guest today. Um, she comes to us with a lot of information on domestic violence and relationship concerns and hopefully can provide some feedback to people who may be in those kinds of relationships or entering into one and just learning the signs for it or if you've successfully left a relationship, um, you know, where to go from there. So we're excited to have Sybil here with us. Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself because she's got a lot of credentials and a lot of great things behind her name. So. Um, we're excited to have you here. Well, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my name is Sybil Cummin. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor and approved clinical supervisor. And I run a um, group private practice in the Arvada area. And I'm also the creator of a website called beyondpowerandcontrol.com. And that's a training website for clinicians, uh, mental health clinicians, to really help train and learn all of the nuances about domestic violence. We are unfortunately not trained mm -hmm. as therapists yep. in domestic violence. Even <laughs> if you're trained in a, a couples and family program, you mm -hmm. really receive no training on it. And so I'm really trying to close that gap um, so that people can really have, you know, the the knowledge so that when they're reaching out to a therapist, that therapist does understand what they're going through. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's so crucial. I mean, I know in, in my private practice, or even when I worked at the residential, we knew that there was domestic violence going on, but they don't really train you, but they will say, well, you can't work with couples if there is domestic violence. Um, it really is what they tell, what I've been told, is if there is domestic violence, don't do couples counseling. It's like game over. And I've heard other professionals say that too, like game over if if there's something it's like mm -hmm. okay well then how do we provide support if we're getting all this feedback don't don't work with this couple right and it's really hard because <laughs> when a couple comes to you and there is domestic violence they're not going to probably be open and say we are here because there's domestic violence mm -hmm. that's not going to happen because there's not a sense of safety yeah. to do that kind of the lack of training that therapists and just mental health practitioners in general receive um, in assessing for domestic violence. And so if we're told don't do couples work when there's domestic violence, we don't typically know how to assess whether this couple is safe for us to work with or not mm -hmm. until much further on. And so, and one of the main, you know, fix-its or things that people think could, could help when they're in an abusive relationship is couples therapy because a lot of times at that point they don't want to leave yeah. because they are unaware maybe the gravity of the abuse they're experiencing and so they think it's a couple's problem versus an individual problem and domestic violence is not a couple's problem. It is one partner doing behaviors to maintain power and control over another partner and so that victim partner while they have somewhat of a role, they have no responsibility for those behaviors. Yeah, that's, I like that. They have no responsibility for their partner's behaviors. Yeah, I would imagine. Well, and I've heard women say, well, I provoked him. Mm -hmm. I provoked him, or had I just let it go, or had I not brought this up, it wouldn't have happened. So taking ownership over that. Yeah, yeah. and there's definitely that sense of the way <clears throat> abusive relationships start and build the victim partner will really doubt themselves and have been taught within that relationship dynamic that these things are their fault. And so they will take ownership over things that they don't need to take ownership for, mm -hmm. but that's how the relationships maintain. That's how they continue is the one partner who really wants to fix things. If they can fix things, if there's that belief that if they only did something different, then the relationship can be saved. Mm -hmm. Whereas the abusive partner does not take accountability really for any of their behaviors. Even when in a couple session or in couples therapy, they will use the term, even if they, you know, were physically violent, you know, 
punch someone in the face, push them up against the wall, they will always use the term we Mm -hmm. when they're talking with the therapist. And usually the victim partner will agree because then it seems like this really collaborative, like we are in this together. We are wanting to fix this. Mm. When in reality, the, the abusive partner is pushing that responsibility from themselves onto the we and then onto the victim partner is kind of how it looks. Yeah. And so really my goal after being really frustrated for years, um, in providing services, um, to individuals that they have had horrific experiences with other therapists and mm-hmm. I struggle to find other therapists to refer to yeah. when this is the specific um, reason someone's coming to therapy. And I know the um, advocacy centers are really struggling. Their referral lists for therapists that understand are, are like three. tiny. Yeah, there's probably they like three. They are so <laughs> low. And <clears throat> yeah. so I really, you know, instead of whining about it, <laughs> And complaining yeah, and just being frustrated, training. I just decided to start training people. That, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. That's so that's awesome and much needed. I need to go take one of those courses. <laughs> I'm wondering if okay. we could start, just because I'm thinking of a question, mm-hmm. can you define for everybody what domestic violence looks like? Because I'm assuming it's not just physical. Is there an emotional element to this too? It, could it be emotional versus physical? Yes, absolutely. So there's uh, many different elements that make up domestic violence. And so the one that people think about is the physical aspect. And so, you know, my partner didn't hit me. And so it's probably not considered domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And in reality, there are many different forms of abuse that make up domestic violence. So there's physical abuse, which people know. There's emotional and psychological abuse that really is um, putting people down and humiliating them in public, um, making them feel lesser than, name calling. Many things go into that um, emotional and psychological abuse piece. Um, One of the most, um, one of the hardest aspects of domestic violence, specifically for women, is financial abuse. Mm And so money is controlled by the partner. And sometimes it starts out that they want to take care of you, quote unquote, take care of you. And so they don't want you to have to work. They want to be able to pamper you and take care of everything so that you don't have to worry about it. So a lot of, um, this is more typically for female victims, will quit working. And a lot of them will stay home with their parents. They'll be an at-home mama And then they have no resources to leave if they want to leave. They have no financial resources. And so financial abuse, sometimes it just looks like preventing someone from getting a job. It can be providing an allowance or requiring receipts for everything. Um, It can be not putting your name on a mortgage or rental, you know, leasing papers or on the cars so that if you do leave and you take a car, you've technically stolen the car. Oh, wow. And they do, and you find that this is done very deliberately. This is very deliberate and it's a slow process typically Mm -hmm. that happens. And um, so it does not seem um, inappropriate or with malintent. It feels good in the moment initially. Yeah, until mm-hmm. you start realizing what's happening and then you look back and go, oh, fuck. Yeah, I have I no have, yeah, nothing way out. I have no way out. I have yep. no way out of this. Yep. And then on the flip side, which is really interesting, sometimes the financial abuse is the complete opposite where the victim partner will be the one working and will be the one providing all of the finances and then the abusive partner will then use credit cards, will get payday loans, will get all of these things, rack up extreme amounts of debt, mm-hmm. and then does not help do that. So then this partner is really stuck. Because yeah. they've got all these bills now. Because they all have all these debt. bills. And if it's a marriage debt, a marital debt, mm-hmm. then it is their debt yeah. as yeah. well. And then um, there's that sense of, you know, empathy. If you're a really empathic person, the the pull to keep you in with financial abuse in that situation is, I'll have nothing. You're going to leave me on the streets. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have nowhere to go. And so... Kind of this manipulation. That manipulation, that feels mm-hmm. really awful if you're the 
you know, the person having the money, even though you're being abused, you don't want to be the one that sends the father of your child out on the streets. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what is he going to do? He's what is he going to do? Yeah. And so that's the, the draw there is you yeah. get stuck in that. Yeah. And that's where you see that wow. cycle right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard of couples too, where, um, they'll like shut off their phones. The yeah. user will shut their phones off so they can't yeah. get any kind of control. They take their names off of banks so they can't go in yep. and get so money. They can't go get money. Yeah. Um, they'll have separate down. bank accounts so that the um, that their partner is not on so that their, you know, their paychecks go into this account and then they'll just put the allowance into the other account so that that can be used for groceries or things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um Yep. And they may go out and spend <clears throat> tons of money on, I don't know, snowmobiles, new cars, new things, whereas you're struggling to buy diapers for your children okay. at the store. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, gosh. And so that, yeah. That happens a lot. I mean, is that probably one of the the highest ones that you see, like the highest yes. forms? Yeah, and that is one of the number one reasons that, that people can't get out mm-hmm. because they... Um, and then it, it goes into a whole nother realm, which is an area I'm, I specialize in within this is the legal system mm-hmm. is that if you do, you know, if your partner has a lot of money and you decide to leave, they have the finances for a good attorney so that litigation can go in their favor and you have no money. So you're going to be acting as your own attorney. Oh. Oh. And so okay. that does, that never <laughs> goes well no. that never goes well mm-hmm. and so the fear there which it kind of goes into that um emotional and psychological abuse really includes a lot of threats and so using the children of if you leave i will take the children from you mm-hmm. and that is unfortunately a a real possibility in in certain circumstances just because of that financial piece that you don't have the finances to fight it yeah you don't have the legal knowledge to fight it yeah and so, yeah, you wow. you have might you, lose your children. Have you found any lawyers in Colorado that will do, like, a sliding scale cost or pro bono? I mean, I there are a handful, but okay. the wait lists are so extreme. However, okay. the um, I may have to get you the resource because I can't even think of it off the top of my head. Um, there is now a resource in Denver. And I cannot think of the name to save my life. Um, that does now offer referrals and help for legal services for victims of domestic violence. It's a newer um, program, and yep, can't think of the name at all. Nope. I know that <laughs> we'll look for it and yeah. add it to the podcast notes. Yeah, yeah. And I know that you um, talked about your website Beyond Power and Control, mm-hmm. um, and you have a resource page on there is that not is that just for therapists or anyone that's listening who is saying I yep. need some anyone resources. that's listening so it's got okay. different websites on it um that have different types of resources it's got all of the shelters um shelter okay. resources in Colorado on it mm-hmm. um it's got um resources for teen um for teen relationship mm-hmm. abuse I hear um it's got work is... worksheets on it it's just got a lot of information on the resources and mm-hmm. so I put it all in one place because therapists, we don't a lot of times have time to go searching for everything. And so it's really just all in one place Mm -hmm. on the website and it's growing all the time. Yeah. Um, So there's one resource that I recently added. It's called Safe in Harm's Way. And if you are starting to date someone, you can look up their criminal history. Oh, yeah. And so you can see if there are restraining orders from other partners already. You can look at assault. You can look to see if there's domestic violence charges Mm -hmm. already. What kind of information do you need? Do you just their first and last name, date of birth? Um, Because I know sometimes you need, like, their social security number. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, and I have not searched anyone on it um, myself. But it, um, and it now is... Uh, nationwide versus just a handful of states. Oh, awesome. But yeah, I do. I, I think it's full name, okay. birth date. Um, I feel like there's one other thing when I was looking at it, but one other piece of information, okay. um, like a, like address, like known mm-hmm. address, like last known address. Okay. Um, on it, and you can look up. 
um, other things. There's some other resources I just have recently got that I will be putting on there um, that if you have been a victim of domestic violence, specifically financial abuse, there are a couple of different um, options to get some help financially. Um, One of which is to get us if um, domestic violence prevented you from attending uh, college, it can help get you scholarships for college to finish. So people are really kind of being more educated on the effects of this and trying to help. Yep, it's kind of little pockets of people mm-hmm. trying to make a difference. And so um, I think that it's kind of starting to ca- like catch on and grow. And the mm-hmm. need is yeah. extreme. And unfortunately, it usually takes um, a fatality for mm-hmm. anyone to pay attention. Oh, um, there I is, can't even imagine. Yeah, there is a uh, representative in Longmont. His name is Jonathan Singer. And he is making domestic violence one of his topics that he would like to work on because there was unfortunately a child fatality um, that was around domestic violence Mm -hmm. um, in that area. And so um, judges, it was out there in the legal system. There's been domestic violence, there's been domestic violence, and yet they still allowed... Yeah. You know, they don't see domestic violence as a child safety issue the mm-hmm. same way as they need to. And yeah. so let the child go with abusive parent mm-hmm. and abusive parent, unfortunately, yeah. um, killed the child. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah. um, unfortunately, it does take <clears throat> something fatality, extreme. something super extreme or yeah. a celebrity high profile, high yeah. profile person um, like R. Kelly or mm-hmm. there was a football player. um Right, Super Bowl Sunday. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm so I'm so worried today. today it's Super the highest Bowl Sunday, and Super Bowl Sunday is yeah. the highest um, rate of domestic rates violence. of domestic violence arrests yeah. out of any date in the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today and tomorrow will be the highest rates. Yeah. Um, I know. I just want to post all over. Women, get out of the house. Like, if you are not safe, get out before the game yep. starts. Go do something Find else. A, yep. Have a have a yep. way to get out. Have a safety yeah. net so that it, if you feel something brewing, you can leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And then I wanted to make sure that I went. There's uh, oh, two okay. other mm-hmm. forms of abuse. Um, one is spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. And that one is probably the least talked about abuse. And that is... Um, a lot of times using scripture to justify the abusive tech, you know, tactics and techniques, um, you kind of not allowing, um, a partner to, um, you know, participate in their faith or kind of talking poorly about the faith, um, using, um, spiritual leaders to kind of justify the abuse Mm -hmm. as well. Unfortunately, that's pretty... Um, common. And so, you know, when, if your religion, you know, divorce is a sin, you're not going to leave potentially because that is really important to you. And that's a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And abuse is also a sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to kind of decide what, what's a greater, a greater sin in that regard. And so if you don't have a religious leader that is informed in kind of domestic violence and they could be, perpetuating, they could be it. perpetuating it without even knowing they're doing it. Yeah. Goodness. Mm-hmm. So that piece sometimes is really tricky and comes out a lot more in the therapy room than really anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important for, you know, mental health clinicians to know that, but also to know that that is a form of abuse if you are yeah. experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one, which a lot of people also don't think about, is sexual abuse within a romantic relationship. And so that, um, you know, just because you are in a romantic relationship, you're married, consent is still real. 100%. <laughs> yes, it is real. Yeah, I don't care how long you've been married. No nope. still means no. No means mm-hmm. no. And yeah. so a lot of times there will be kind of the manipulation to get you to try things that you are uncomfortable trying. Mm-hmm. Um, or they will just do it because, and with the justification that you're my wife or you're my husband, you need to, you need to do this. Yeah. Um, you know, you're crazy. You're weird. Why wouldn't you do this? I'm your, I'm your partner. Yeah. And I would, I would guess that they would also say, well, if you don't do this, I'm going to go find somebody that will. Yep. I will have an affair. I'll go find someone that will. And you know, you're, no one's going to want you anyways, because Mm -hmm. you're used up. You had children. I can get, you know, these type of people. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it really is, um, 
also kind of an unspoken one because people ha- do have this belief that, well, I'm in this rom- romantic relationship with them. I should be doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah. 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 There's a lot tangled up in there um, with the the different uh, forms that you just talked about. And I'm sure that we're going to go in a little bit deeper with that. But one of the reasons why we want to talk about it is because it is so pervasive. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm hearing is that a lot of young teenagers are now getting into these yes. violent relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know a lot about it, but I, my question is, is there evidence if families have grown up in domestic violence relationships, do they tend to also gravitate into Yes. Dem- so they may feel yep. like this is normal. Yep. So there's generational patterns. Yes. And it's really tough to say because if you're a child growing up, in a household with domestic violence, you can kind of go one of two ways. You can either learn the ways of manipulation and power and control and learn that that's the only thing that works to get what you want. Mm -hmm. And so then you will be an abusive partner Mm -hmm. or you'll be on the other side and see, you know, this is acceptable. This is normal. And you're going to have some of those trauma wounds that kids have when they witness domestic violence, even if it's not physical violence, Mm -hmm. when they just witness the constant torment and the feel of the home, Mm -hmm. that walking on eggshells, that really high tension, um, then they are going to be more prone to seek out or be sought out by an abusive person. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, the, the knight in shining armor is going to come and save you from your family And initially, the relationship is going to feel like it saved you. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be more prone to being stuck in an abusive relationship in the future. And so it's really awesome when I get to work with, um, and I work with men and women um, victims, and that they get to stop that cycle for their children. And that's Mm -hmm. a lot of times the only initial buy-in that they have is how can I prevent my children yeah. From experiencing everything I've experienced. Yeah. How can I make sure they're going to be a good partner? How can I make mm-hmm. sure they're not going to be abused? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it really is that initial way to get started sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, what people don't know and probably wouldn't know unless you are a clinician and, and trained in it is that for children, domestic violence is one of the most traumatizing experiences mm-hmm. they can have. So a lot of women... In particular, I have heard say, well, the kids don't witness the physical. Mm-hmm. It happens at night when they're, they're in bed. They're sleeping, right? And for me, I think, oh, my gosh, you have no idea if they're awake in there. And the reason why it's so traumatizing for children and for, for anyone, when we witness a traumatic thing, we don't have any control over it. Mm-hmm. And and people who are in a traumatic experience, they have some kind of control. They can leave. They can you know, do whatever they can fight back, but children can't. And they're watching their two primary care sources, attachment figures, arguing, fighting, yelling, and they are helpless. And they think one of them's going to die, right? One of them, my dad's going to kill my mom or my mom's going to kill my dad. And they feel so helpless. So there's just so much trauma and rewiring of these kids' brains around all of that and so I just want to say regardless if you think your kids can hear or see it they know what's going on they can they can feel feel it it. and there's some research that shows that the effects um, of children witnesses of domestic violence are at the same levels as um, of PTSD as um, military veterans coming home from war and so that's the The only thing that kind of ranks up there with Mm -hmm. that veterans coming home from war is children victims of domestic violence. Yep. So this is a big deal. Yep. It's a big deal that is not spoken about. It's underrated for whatever. It's just so hush-hush. Well, and secrecy is what keeps it going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Secrecy is what allows it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is really, you know, children know they can't talk about this. Mm-hmm. And it's not safe to talk about this. Yeah. And many times the victim is not going to talk about this because it's not safe to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other piece is they feel like they're crazy. Mm-hmm. They really do. The process of the way um, domestic violence works is that you 
feel like you're a crazy person. Mm-hmm. You're made to feel crazy and doubt all of your experiences. And the term um, that is out there is gaslighting. So if you've heard what gaslighting is, that's really what it is, is you start to question your own reality of what is happening. Yeah. And that piece is really, really hard, especially if this has been chronic and very long term. Mm -hmm. It is really hard to reprogram and start trusting your gut Mm -hmm. again when when you've learned, you know, in that relationship, your gut is always wrong because when you go by your gut, the abuse gets worse. And so you just learn not to listen. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's total crazy making, Mm -hmm. I would imagine. And also there's... I think statistics, and maybe you might know more of Mm -hmm. this, that women who are pregnant get abused possibly even more during that time where there's a higher rate of women being murdered during that pregnancy because of so many different reasons. Yeah, and so it really um, kind of the process of a lot of relationships, not all of them look this way, but the process of a lot of relationships um, is kind of the slower process. And when you're first starting to date... It seems like the best thing since, you know, it's too good to be true, Mm -hmm. these relationships. And so you are their only person. Can you describe a little bit what that looks like? Yeah, yeah. So Mm -hmm. you're, some of the warning signs of it is that your relationship is moving at warp speed. It feels like it is moving so fast. It sweeps you off your feet is the word that I hear, the phrase I hear all the time. They swept me off my feet. They bought lavish gifts. They, they took me to restaurants that I could never afford to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a constant, you know, every day there was something, there were flowers on my desk. There were, you know, just a really quick, Hey, surprise, I'm going to take you out to dinner. I'm going to do these things. I'm just thinking about you. I'm posting, you know, there's this like public posting on Facebooks and Instagrams of songs that he thought of you. And so posting all of this, these things. So this public perception is that this relationship is perfect Yeah, and, the and love amazing. Bomb. And so it's technically called love bombing. <clears throat> and yeah. so they are just bombing you, bombarding you with amazing, wonderful things so that you feel so amazing about yourself. And these um, partners do not feel bad at all. And this happens males and females. It looks mm-hmm. a little bit different. So there's a little bit higher of a financial component when the male is the abusive partner versus the female. But some of those other things, like I can't live without you, the first moment I saw you, I saw myself living with you forever, Um, you're the only one, I can't, you know, I can't believe you'd be with me. And all these statements make you feel so amazing. Yeah. It feels so great. Yeah. During this time, do you think friends and family are noticing some red flags? Like, does anyone ever say, well, my best friend didn't like so-and-so, or this person didn't like so and I didn't listen? Yeah, and so sometimes, because you are speaking so amazingly about them, the friends will be like, oh my gosh, he's perfect, or she's perfect. Okay. And then when they're not perfect, you have nowhere to go, because you've oh, put, painted friends, this picture yeah. of how perfect this partner is. And then on the other side, once that starts to that very initial phase of love bombing, you'll start to notice just little shifts in behavior. Um, you might notice that your partner just talks negatively about everybody all the time. Um, not about you, but just mm-hmm. everyone else. You'll be out to eat and, you know, everyone at other tables, there's something wrong with them. Um, yeah. Whatever, and so yeah. other things, but you are amazingly perfect. You're an angel. Um, and so when that just that mask starts to slip just a little bit, that's when your friends are going to be like, huh, there's something off about this person. And so they might say something. And so then the response, because the goal is just to gain power and control over you and over the relationship is, sweetie, they're just jealous. They are never going to have what we have. Okay. This is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's sad that they're, they're going to feel that way, but, that's probably what's going on. So coercive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it yeah. comes across as a way that you would never see it. Mm-hmm. And it does feel that way. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, they are probably feeling some jealousy about this. Because I have not seen really anything that leads yeah. me to believe otherwise. I mean, it feels so good. But that quick moving um, nature. And so they will really try to get you to commit to something important, some major something, very quickly. So moving in together, getting engaged, 
having a baby. And so going back to your having a baby is once there has been a major commitment and there's been a public um, sharing of the commitment, bam, things change. And that's why it's love bombing. It's like this amazing, 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 amazing. And sometimes it doesn't shift slowly into really abusive. We're engaged. Boom. We just got married. Boom. Now I am really abusive. Yeah. And so so you don't don't really see what's coming. you, You don't. And so then it really feels like, oh my God, what did I do to make this happen? What did I do to make this happen? I must have done something. Um, and the excuse that, you know, and so you start to, your gut starts telling you things, but there's this really big sense of shame of, yeah, I can't imagine. Oh my gosh. Like I have just talked this up and I've made this the best thing ever. And I moved across the United States. How can I go back to my friends and family and tell them what's going on? Yeah. 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 Like this is mortifying and, and we can change it. We're going to, we can make this work. I'm going to do X, Y, Z to fix things. Mm -hmm. And so that big piece, so when the pregnancy happens, first of all, hello, our bodies change. Yeah. Like, whoop, yep, yeah. my body, whatever. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows yeah. what's going on there? And so your body changes, right? And yeah. it's changed forever. And your libido, probably mine was like, pew, like mm. crash. Like I'm huge and don't touch yeah. me. And I hurt everywhere. Yeah. And um, there's a sense of the focus really needs to be on you and your baby mm-hmm. and guess what you're that's not okay that is never because okay you're, you're taking the attention off of yes. your spouse yep and now it's on to baby yeah yep. and so there's this frustration with that piece mm-hmm. and so on the outside again you it's hard to get family and friends support for leaving because on the outside they'll be the perfect you know parent mm-hmm. and for my male victims this provides them a really, a female partner provides a really big sense of power and control because guess what? They have the baby. Mm-hmm. And so they can not allow their male partner to be a part of anything. Oh, wow. If they don't want them to yep. be. Yep. And so it's like, if you behave how I want you to, then you, you get baby. to come to the doctor's appointment. You get to do this. You get to be a part of your baby's life. But guess what? If you don't, nope. Yeah. Wow. And so, and there's definitely a, a sense of, um, people just don't see that. Yeah. You know, they don't even well, think about those, those Yeah, things. I think people oftentimes when they think of domestic violence, they think men. Yep. Right? And I catch myself saying it a lot too. And I'm like, wait a minute, I got to roll that back a little bit because women can be just as abusive, physically abusive yep. too. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And there is, I mean, it is a, a gendered violence in society. And if you look across you know, other cultures, it is pretty gendered. That's mm-hmm. um, 85% of a victims, granted, these are reported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reported. And there's so many not. Mm-hmm. 85% are women victims of men perpetrators. Okay, yeah. So there is still this sense, and male victims don't name it mm-hmm. often. Yeah. They don't. Um, well, because they might see be embarrassed by it. Right. Yeah, they are mm-hmm. supposed to be wearing the pants in the family. The what the heck? Yeah. My dad um, was married before he was married to my mom. And his wife was physically abusive mm-hmm. in the beginning. And he was Catholic. And the families expected them to just be married forever. And he would come home and she would hit him. Mm-hmm. Like with pans and hit him with all yes. kinds of things. And finally he was like, I'm not doing this anymore mm-hmm. with you. Um, and he didn't get permission from the church, and so he left his religion. I mean, mm-hmm. he left a lot of things, and wow. I'm so proud of him for doing it because a lot of men may have stuck with it. Absolutely. Like, my wife's just been a nut job or whatever. My, my wife's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And but, I have to be here because I have to make sure the mm-hmm. kids are safe. Yep. Because she's crazy. Yeah. Luckily, they didn't have kids together. But right. yes, it's just such a whole different layer when there's kids involved. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I just, it's such a, an important topic. And with the way our political things are falling right now, civil smiles over there. Because <laughs> the, the law was written, just changed recently. It was, yep, it was and, changed in the last couple of years mm-hmm. um, in the United States to remove... Um, all of the other coercive control forms of domestic violence from the legal definition. And so now the only 
you know, illegal, or you can be charged for um, offenses or physical assault. Yeah. And so they um, are, it is no longer recognized in the United States that um, these other forms of abuse are actually abuse. Yeah, which is just Mm. so disgusting. Yeah, and there's a few states, actually, that have changed that Mm -hmm. statewide. Yeah. But you have to have buy-in from your state and from people that this is a big deal. Yeah. And so if there aren't important people in your state pushing for this, nobody even knew it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that it had changed either until you and I sat down and talked. And so then I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a huge deal. Yeah. This is a huge deal that very little people are, or not very many people are talking yeah. about. Yeah. And yeah. we should be, right? I mean, we yep. should be screaming at the top of our lungs. Like, we need to, to fix this because there's so many people who can't leave now. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you've talked about going to court and you can't you can't talk about these things nope. anymore. It's like, okay, is there bruises? Do you have bruises or broken bones? Mm. No. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and so if there's not um, criminal convictions, most courts have no interest in family court. Oh. And so so very few, there are not a lot of convictions, and I could talk about the legal system for days and days. There is, here's a really good resource. Um, It's called One Mom's Battle. One mom's battle. And there's a Facebook group. There's a website. So if you are, this is specifically for mamas, um, and you are dealing with domestic violence and family court, um, this is a great source of support. There's tons of resources on there. And then the thing that is really, really cool is um, One Mom's Battle. They have packets that are judge education packets because guess what? Judges, it depends on the state. And guess what? In Colorado, oh, there's no education required on domestic violence for judges. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so this um, organization will send anonymously a packet, an education packet, to your judge. Mm-hmm. But it will not have your information on there Yeah. because that could sure piss yeah. people off. That mm-hmm. could piss a judge off. Manipulate yeah. the case, too. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's just anonymous, anonymously sent to your judge um, mm-hmm. on what they might see in court, what the techniques will be, what mm-hmm. the tactics are. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you seen that packet? I'm just curious if it's big. With, so I'm there's, not sure if a judge there's will several get it. different options okay. of them, um, <clears throat> but they are readable. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I just am thinking, gosh, if you got sent like a 20 page packet, like, are they really going to look at it? Are they going to look at all of it? Yeah. And that, unfortunately, is the case that they still might not look at it. Yeah. And you, it's, you know, something when you feel like you have no power anywhere. Yeah. It can be feel just keep much proactive it. and send sending it like twenty that, times that packet. To that like judge. you get this judge, yeah, you yeah. get this, you get this. So, yeah. um, so that's just a really helpful resource for. For families dealing with family court. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we, we could take this in so many different directions, <laughs> right. right? I mm-hmm. mean, my brain is just kind of reeling about, you know, we can go over here or go over here. Really, I think knowing the warning signs yeah. for our young, our young mamas, our young dads, or going into a relationship before having children, because we talk about this too, like yeah. choose your, your partner wisely if you can, yeah. right? Because then there's also the case of like rape. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the means or you don't believe in termination of pregnancy you and you're will. moving forward, like here are some of the things that you're most likely going to continue you're to gonna experience. You're going to have to experience these things. Yeah. Or making a choice of I'm hearing these signs, I'm feeling it. How do I then leave? Right. And I think some of the important things to listen to is, you know, your your partner's going to have some of these behaviors. What are you, what's going to be your internal warning signs? If you don't mm-hmm. see those external warning signs, what are your internal warning yeah. signs? And so if you feel really confused kind of about where you stand, like in um, the relationship? within the relationship, okay. or you're you're just confused about stories. Like there's inconsistencies in stories about an ex because um, there will typically be an ex, yeah, <laughs> and they will be the psycho ex or the crazy ex. Okay, there is a a script about mm-hmm. what the ex is going to be like. So they're withholding children, 
they were crazy, they made them feel awful, and so listen to the ways in which they speak about their ex. Okay. It's a really important thing. And so if you mm-hmm. have, you know, if one time their ex is this way and then the next time their ex is that way and you're you're just kind of confused about things, like things aren't adding up, mm-hmm. really listen to the the things aren't adding yeah. up. Are there any signs too like if you're you're in this relationship, do they talk badly about your your partner, your your exes as well? Like, is there um, any of that? Probably some of that. Okay. And I think it's more in that, um, and this, again, is kind of that, um, m- you know, male abuser, female victim, is they'll talk about it more in the knight in shining armor. I will never do that to you. I will never hurt you. Okay. Guess what? We hurt our partners. Yeah. Even if you're not abusive. Sure. Yeah. We hurt our partners at yeah. some point. You so something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never is yeah. not... Okay, so it's not so possible. Never are always. Yeah, those never those okay. really um, finite, like black and white mm-hmm. kinds of things. I think okay. if you notice you're starting to change your behavior to keep calm, keep things calm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're letting things go you might not typically let go of, and you're doing it just because you're like, oh, I really want it to feel like you know this way. Um, because they're the good times are really good. Yeah. The good oh, times yeah. are really good. And so yeah. that's they have to have those good times, otherwise you're gonna leave because if it's all shitty, yeah. Who's gonna stay? Yeah. No well, one. And a lot of mm-hmm. people will leave and then go back. And go back. Because the relationship that they tried on for size was not yeah. as love bombing. It wasn't as powerful mm-hmm. or intense. Absolutely. And they get bored bored for lack of a better word yeah and then go back or turn to the abusive partner yeah the the um, research shows it takes on average seven times to leave an abusive partner seven before times. you successfully leave wow. ladies let's make it and gentlemen let's make it the first time yeah and and so some of it is that um it's called trauma bonding yeah and so when you feel it's almost like addiction mm-hmm. um that switching from like the amazing you know intense relationship to really scary shitty and that constant flip-flopping you were doing everything in your power to get your fix yeah. of the good times yep. and so you'll do anything in your power to get those good times you'll change your behavior you'll take responsibility for their behavior you'll do something sexually that is you're not comfortable with but you're going to do it because you know it's going to get back to those good times yeah and so it all a lot of my clients have said that it feels like an addiction yeah like the intermittent reinforcement yes which yep. is the most addictive and so mm-hmm. you don't know when it's going to happen but it's yeah. going to happen it's happened before yeah and so you really work hard for that mm-hmm. um and then again some of the other reasons are um, just your sense of self is lost and so you don't feel like you can do it yeah. or you've lost your support yeah because you get isolated and so you get really isolated mm-hmm. from things um from people that that care about you and um, the financial aspect, if you can't, I mean, you're struggling to put food on your table and yet you could move back and your children can have the best things. Yeah. Sometimes you want to go back because they have the best things. Yeah. yeah. And so there's so many nuances to this that are used. And so that's why it's so hard to just tackle. Yeah. It's so really hard to tackle. And yeah. so, yeah, if you're noticing those gut feelings of something's not right or that confusion um, really listen to that because that's what's kind of taken from you throughout the relationship as it keeps going, as yeah. it's longer. And so yeah. those are some things. And so, yeah, once you find yourself in that position, it really does kind of determine um, where you are um, because, you know, if you're going to go see an advocate at an advocacy ch- shelter or, or advocacy center or you're going to go see a therapist, we really need to assess for safety. Yeah. And so if you're pretty early on and things have not um, graduated to kind of that sexual abuse, that physical abuse, um, leaving is easier. Mm-hmm. If you haven't joined bank accounts or if you haven't that financial piece yeah. isn't there leaving is going to be a little bit easier mm-hmm. um if you don't have children leaving is going to be amazingly yeah. easier yeah. um it won't be easy but yeah. it'll be easier yeah. mm-hmm. um and so some of the things that you can do is um read start learning go to websites so there's there are a lot of websites um that you can you know look for resources on um read other people's experiences um, so that you can really start putting your name on things. And then, again, we talked about that domestic violence lives in secrecy. Yep. So tell somebody. Yeah. 
yeah. tell somebody because mm-hmm. then there's somebody that knows that understands they may get completely frustrated with you um, specifically the love bombing piece mm-hmm. because they do not understand your partner does this to you and you still love them yeah it may not be love the way I consider love or like holding your baby love like where you like it's you yeah. know innate automatic it feels amazing but that love bombing makes you feel like that love yeah and so you want to keep mm-hmm. going back mm-hmm. um and so yeah I think you know getting information yeah the education piece is some of the most important parts of what I do with clients in my office because once they have the language mm-hmm. and once they see that they're not alone that somebody else gets it yeah they're more likely to be able to leave. Um, there are, you know, if you are in a very unsafe situation, there's been physical violence, um, you can see it escalating, your leaving process is going to look really different and you need to make sure you're leaving safely. Yeah. And so one of the most important things that I do like to let everybody know, even though it seems totally backwards, is that victims of domestic violence actually do know how to stay safe. Like that sounds crazy mm-hmm. because... They're getting maybe their face beat in. Yeah. They do actually know how to stay safe. So they have learned, and this is one of the greatest survival skills they have, is, you know, their partner comes in and they throw their mail on the table a certain way. Okay. Just by that that behavior, boom, your mind is already going to be like, okay, I have to do X, Y, and Z tonight to keep everything safe. You already know how to keep safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, need, you know how to keep alive. Yeah. And keep things as safe as you can. So you have a little bit more power and control than you than think you, think you, you know. do. Okay. Yep, because you have learned Triggers. how to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so use those skills. Like, use that. Know how, like, I, I know how to do these things. And so when I'm working with someone and we're planning an out um, and we're really looking at safety, um, it may not be to the, like, Okay, tomorrow when he's at work, you're going to grab your bag of things and get out, and you're never going to come back. Yeah. It may not be that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have a little bit longer to plan. And so keep those keep those things that you know how to stay safe yeah. in your mind. But there is some important things. Um, there's a checklist on my website, beyondpowerandcontrol.com, that is just a basic safety checklist. Do these things, have these things. Okay. So that you, if you do need to leave... Yeah you grab this and you leave. Yeah. Um, it's like keeping important paperwork with you. So child's birth certificates, your social security card, your birth certificate, any paperwork you might need to get a lease, you know, a lease somewhere yeah. or rent a car, rent a car, any yeah. that identification you need to have with you. Mm-hmm. If you can squirrel away teeny bits of money at yeah. a time so that you just have a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I have a lot of clients do is um they will go to like walmart and buy one of the phones that you can do a prepaid like a phone okay. card mm-hmm. because that you can buy like those little nokias like those yeah. you know for like 10 bucks mm-hmm. and um put x number of minutes on so it so in case spouse shuts your phone in case off. your phone is shut off okay. um in a physical altercation the first thing that they go for is your phone to break it okay mm-hmm. so that you can't mm-hmm. call out you can't call yeah. for 911 okay um and so you will have this. And one of the number one things is, is it can't be tracked. Yeah. Okay. So unfortunately with GPS and yep. things these days, if you are on like the family plan. Yep, they can see you. They can find you. Yeah. They can find you anywhere. You go to a shelter, they can find you. A lot of times they will not let you have that phone, like a mm-hmm. fancy nice phone in, in a shelter. Because Jeez, shelters are in reason. undisclosed locations yep. and they can find you. Yeah. Um, wow. And so... Yeah. Just having one of those janky, crappy phones. Yeah, it could save your life. Can save your life. Yep. Wow. Um, because mm-hmm. they won't be able to find you. And so again, there's not everyone is gonna have the scary partner that's gonna stalk you, find you. Mm-hmm. And but if you there do. are partners that yeah. are scary, and will stalk you and find you. Yeah. Um. And mm-hmm. so making sure that you kind of have those things. But yeah, there's a checklist of how to have okay. safer arguments mm-hmm. um, as a part of it. So if you're still in, living with them and um, you haven't left, how do you have a safer argument? Maybe um, you know, go, you're going to go to the front door and open the front door when you guys are having an altercation mm-hmm. because they will probably calm their stuff down because the outside world does not know how crazy they mm-hmm. are and how much yeah. they're going to hurt you. Yeah. And so if you have windows open, if you... Um, you know, go to the garage door and have the garage door open. Okay. 
Yeah, just kind of letting the outside world mm-hmm. be privy be to privy. And on. so mm-hmm. because that secrecy is so important and that yeah. mask is so important. Yeah. Let's say that you have a victim that is just in total denial. Like they know, but they're not ready to say mm-hmm. out loud and they have children. Mm-hmm. What kind of symptom symptomology have you seen in children yeah. that maybe might open somebody's eyes to this is really happening in my home. My children are yeah. displaying these kinds of behaviors and I can't ignore it anymore. Yes. Like it's affecting my children. Yeah, so a lot of them will ha- a lot of these kids will have a lot of physical ailments. Um, a lot of tummy problems. Okay. Um, they due to stress, due and, to stress and anxiety. That a aches. lot of them will not want to go to school. They will really be adverse going to school, almost separation anxiety type, because they want to keep an eye on you and make yeah. sure you're safe. They know they're safe at school. Mm-hmm. That's not the issue. They want to make sure you're safe at home. Okay. And so they, if they have their eyes on you, that is the illusion of that they're you're protecting. safe, they're protecting you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I see... Um, my male kiddo clients who have witnessed domestic violence um, a lot of times turn really aggressive mm-hmm. at school. Um, their yeah. grades start to go down. Um, they are really aggressive towards the abusive partner, which is scary as shit. Yeah. Um, but they are... So, like, sons will go after sons dads. Sons will go after dads, and they are trying to, to protect yeah. you and yeah. to, like... Show them, you know, that, oh, that, that they can't do that. That just breaks my heart. Like, even hearing that, I'm like, yeah. oh, these small little boys. Are trying to protect. Try, yeah. yeah. Knowing that they could get hurt, They could too. get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Um, yeah, just different, mm-hmm. just cha- any major shifts in behavior. And I've, I've witnessed this a little bit, too, that, like, if they have younger siblings, sometimes the older siblings will act out on the younger siblings, too, like, yep. when they get mad. Yep, they'll mm-hmm. act out that way They because they've learned it. Reenacting. They've, they've learned it. Yeah, yeah, it's a learned behavior. Yeah. So, um, for the most part, the domestic violence is not this genetic... Thing yeah. they're probably, but we, you know, getting doing research on domestic violence is really difficult because oh, yeah. it's so underreported. Mm-hmm. And an abusive person, unless they are mandated, yeah, by the courts, it. are not going to do it because yeah. they're not going to say that they do this. So it's really yeah. hard. So there are no genetic factors that, that we know of right now, mm-hmm. and kind of the the behavior is really learned. And what they're learning is the way to get my wants and needs met are by manipulating and hurting other people. Yeah. This is the way I get my needs met. Mm-hmm. And so these kids are maybe learning that too. Yeah. Um, or they're learning that it's, you know, okay to have this done to you to mm-hmm. meet other people's needs and not meet your own needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's really scary. And you might start seeing, um, like, I hear this really often, and this could be a whole nother <laughs> topic. <laughs> yeah. um, a whole nother podcast would be, well, he hurts me, but he's such a great dad. Oh, yeah. Nope. Nope, yeah. he's not. Yeah. Because those, until your children, so he, he I'm going to say he just because mm-hmm. this is more what I see in my practice. Yeah. Um, but females do it very similarly um, when they're abusive, is the child is considered a complacent object to them. So when they are complacent, and they're doing well, maybe they're like the best on their sports team, or they get A's, or they're quote-unquote gifted, uh-huh. that makes the abusive partner, the abusive parent, feel good. Yeah. And it makes them look good. Yeah, because it's a reflection of And them. so they're going to treat that child awesome. Yeah. The minute that child is no longer complacent or a trophy... Mm-hmm. That child is going to get abused the same way. Yeah. So um, do you see a lot of corporal punishment? Corporal punishment, um, a lot of a lot of really severe um, emotional abuse mm-hmm. of like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so stupid? Mm-hmm. Why can't you do so this? Shaming, really, literally. really strong shaming. Um, and I see that from both male parents and female parents yeah. with that um, who are abusive. And so... If those, you know, once that child is like, well, like, well my children are, my children talk back now and they're four and eight, but um, <laughs> when they get to be That's that normal. tween age <laughs> uh-huh. and they're just learning how to work, you know, how to work in their world and they start talking back more. Mm. That's when there's a little bit higher rates of the physical violence like, with well, children. I would imagine, yeah. Because they're doing what kids do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're starting to, they're question. Starting to mm-hmm. question and they're starting to push back and their development is right on. Like, that's the yeah. goal. 
And that's not okay. No. That's not okay if you want to maintain power and control over everyone. Yeah. And And so that's when that happens. And I would imagine, too, that there might be language with, again, men being the abusers in this scenario of the dad saying, I'm alpha. Mm -hmm. Like, they need, my kids need to know who the man of the house. They need to respect me. Yes. And that's also, I'm glad that you used the word respect because there are a ton of people who link being, like, Kids being afraid. Yes, and afraid. Fear equals respect in some of their eyes. Yes. I really want to untangle that and say absolutely not. They mm-hmm. they're scared of you, they're so they're compliant. Yes, but they that's don't respect, not respect you. They nope. don't respect you at all, right? Nope. And uh, at times, I would imagine they often don't respect mom either for staying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yep. right? So they've got these two figures in their house where they're just like, I don't respect and or trust either one of you. Yeah, and they're I, trying to be the parent. Mm-hmm. They're trying yep. to be the protector, but mm-hmm. then they also still because. It's their parent. They want the abusive parent to love them and approve of them. They still want that. Of course they do. And so they're stuck in this bind of like, Mm -hmm. I need to be good enough. I need to, you know, be the best at this. I need to be the best at this. Mm -hmm. But their best isn't going to, isn't going to be good enough. Yeah. 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 So you're in a bind if you're trying to get out and you've got kids, you know, and and a, and a lot of people will leave because of the kids, right? I, yeah. I would yep. imagine once the kids find a voice and say it's time, like yep. we're ready, then that might give the the you There's know the usually, yep, get out that's to get out. A lot of the clients I have <laughs> is that's their only thing they're holding on to to leave is that they don't want their children to experience this anymore. Okay. That they have lost you know, their deservingness Mm -hmm. to live a good life, but they want their children to have something different. And so that's where we start. You know, Mm -hmm. we meet people where they're at. Um, And so I think something important also is that if you are, I think going to a therapist, you know, I'm clearly biased, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a therapist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But going to a therapist can be really helpful and you need to do a really good job interviewing your therapist. Yep. Don't go, just don't stick to the first one. No, if they... Um, they need to really understand domestic violence specifically. Yeah. Um, and so that's why a lot of times those agencies, the DV agencies, are kind of your first stop shopping because they do know therapists who have training in this or who yeah. they feel comfortable referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, just being able to ask therapists you know, what their experience is with domestic violence. Yep. Do they yep. understand all the forms of domestic violence? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions I get on the first meeting, and it's really sad, is are you going to have to call child protection? Yep, because mm-hmm. I was going to say, I would imagine that that is a big That is scary, point. so scary. Yep, of what do you have to mm-hmm. report and, and all of that. And we definitely could have a whole different yep. topic on that, of what's reportable and what's not. Even to mandated reporters and you should know if you're a mandated reporter. It's teachers, nurses, mm-hmm. doctors, coaches. coaches. Yep. And there are so many people who are mandated reporters who, who turn a blind eye to this. Mm-hmm. And really, as a community, we need to, to really start reporting those things, even if it's suspected. Yep. Even if you're like, yes. I'm not really sure I suspect it. I'm worried about it. Make that call. It's anonymous unless you don't want it to be. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, yeah, we, we as a community have to stop being silent when we see yep. these things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then if you have a really good therapist who does understand domestic violence, the call, if they have to call, um, I do with my clients yeah. often, but then I give, they always ask at the end, is there any other information you'd like to provide us about the family? Mm-hmm. Yes, I give them a novel. I give them so much information. I'm going to let them know what services you might need, that you might need help with housing. You might need help with childcare. You might need help with these things. You might need help with getting on the address confidentiality program so that no one can find you. I, and so, you know, when you're talking with a therapist, really interviewing that therapist to make sure that they're Mm -hmm. able to do what you need. Yeah. Well, and also on being a therapist as well, even on our profiles, they might have something on there, like have been trained. Because I know that you have said that you have it kind of at the bottom. Yeah. They kind of have to go through and they can see it on there. And I would imagine I don't because that's not 
my scope. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe one day I can open that door after training. Uh, but I wouldn't have it on mine. No, and a lot of people my scope. Right, and a lot of people mm -hmm. do put it on there because people equate domestic violence with trauma. Um, and so they do trauma work. Yep. And yet... Oh, it's so different. Trauma work is really different because yeah. you can do trauma work when you're safe. Yep. Yep. And you, even though you've left, may not be safe. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just mean, you know, physically safe. Maybe yeah. you're completely physically safe, but through litigation and the court system, you're not safe. Yeah. And so specific modalities of trauma work are not appropriate. Yeah. Well, people will you. ask me what doing EMDR, because mm -hmm. I'm an EMDR therapist, and that's what I have to tell them. Like, this will not work. I can't do it and will not do it mm -hmm. if you're going to court yeah. or if you're in that situation because they're going to undo every piece of work that we do um, yeah. going back into that situation. So even therapists have a limitation of what we can what provide. We can, provide. Yeah, during that time because they have to be safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And kids have to be safe. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so that... Um, some self-promotion uh, mm -hmm. that brings me. Um, so I do dis discuss that in my book. Um, so I've written a, an ebook for clinicians, kind Yay. of helping train mm -hmm. um, clinicians on working with um, victims and survivors of domestic violence. Um, it is called And Then We Do Harm, Rethinking Clinical Interventions for Survivors of Domestic Violence. And I go into that because therapists are unfortunately doing this work. Yeah. They're doing EMDR with clients. They're doing um, other modalities, trauma-focused CBT. Mm -hmm. They're doing these modalities. And while you can do pieces of them, yeah. th and it can be really helpful, there are times when you can't do pieces yeah. of them also. And so um, just putting that out there because it's while it's stated in um, the books, mm -hmm. it's not really done it's like written that one page you yeah. read it done and you move on and so people don't re realize the extent of mm -hmm. the continual trauma from like post-separation abuse and things yeah. like that 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 people go through and so um just really trying to put it out there yeah. um that we just have so much to learn yeah. as a mental health community that we just have more to learn we can to be doing a better job for this particular population yeah. well, on and that. I think as a clinician we have a legal and ethical and moral obligation to better train ourselves mm -hmm. if we're going to be doing couples work or if we're yeah. saying we're trauma-informed therapists and we're taking people who are in these kind of relationships, we have an obligation to be trained in these things yeah. instead of just winging it. I mean, I've had a yeah. client recently who has talked to me about a position and I said, I, I've got a hard stop for a second. I can't give you any information and I sent them your way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, she might not have room for you, but she can answer a lot of questions that yeah. I can't right now. And I don't want to trip over things and, give them wrong information. Um, yeah. So I'm really, I'm excited that you've written this book and I'm hoping that people will read it who are providing clinical support, but I would imagine it can also be read by, by anyone, right? Like yeah. anyone. So yeah. like people in, like I know religious communities, they may not have to have their degrees or anything right. like that, but they're still providing lay counseling. So hopefully they're yeah, and, reading and uh, educating. Medical professionals medical, that are in yes. the, you know, the ER because you're going to see it all the time. Yeah. Oh, um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know, police officers, things like that, because mm -hmm. you're going to see it. And there's, a, you know, a section of the book that are kind of dispelling all the myths about domestic violence mm -hmm. um, because we still believe as a community as a you know United States we still believe that you know the victims are you know living in a trailer with 18 kids and they're smoking their cigarette and they don't work and they live off the system like that is your victim of domestic violence yeah and guess mm -hmm. what it is there is no discriminatory the factors there you yeah. can make millions of dollars and mm -hmm. guess what there's significant abuse you can be in a gay male couple significant abuse yeah. you can be in a lesbian couple significant abuse yeah it can be a female abusing a male it can be i mean there's there's no discrimination it's across all lines yeah it, it does yep and all age groups yep yep i mean we probably see it in elementary school kids reenacting what mm -hmm. they see at home, and that's a big I actually, red flag. I actually have a kiddo who had to mm -hmm. switch schools because there were those kind of kind of manipulative, creepy statements made to her by one of her classmates, and she is seven. Wow. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, yeah, teachers need to be informed, school counselors, mm -hmm. principals. Yeah. 
if it's beyond your scope, <laughs> hand out referrals. Leave your hands you off it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because there are people that, that do know it and that can lead people in the right direction. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't think you know everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for our listeners, we just want you to be safe, emotionally mm-hmm. safe, physically safe, sexually safe, financially safe. We want you to be safe. And we want you to listen to your little voice inside your head. Mm-hmm. Trust your gut. Trust your body. Listen to your children if you have them. Don't give excuses for your spouse's behavior ever mm-hmm. um, because I think that's the step in the wrong direction because then yeah. you just continue to rationalize it. But it's important. We just want everyone to be safe. Yeah. And it starts with you, like what Sybil said. You have more power than what you think you do. Mm-hmm. And just listen. Trust your gut. Listen to your spouse's stories and if it does bring up red flags or the love bombing is coming in and you're like this is too good to be true it's Take probably a step back. yeah slow <laughs> like, it down slow it down mm-hmm. because i would imagine if you slow it down they'll come at you even more aggressively mm-hmm. right and you're yep. like and, and it won't feel good or they'll mm-hmm. say oh i will go at your speed i don't need to you know i'll go at your speed mm-hmm. and a week later they're you know the week feels amazing because they've slowed down and then boom it ramps right back up yeah, yeah. And also, I think if you have low self-esteem and you do have children and your belief system is, well, who else is going to want me? Mm-hmm. No one else is going to want me. I'm a single mom with two kids, three kids. I don't have a lot of money. No one else is going to want me. He wants me or they mm-hmm. want me, right? Um Love yourself more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love yourself more. There are going, there's going to be somebody out there who's going to want to partner with you who's safe. Yeah. And so hold out. Hold out. Yeah, you are worth mm-hmm. more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay. Well, thank you so much. So we'll, yeah, just thank so you for awesome having me. You're here and we're talking about this. And Definitely. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the Parenting Naked Collaborative, visit us on the web at www.parentingnaked.com or follow us on Facebook at Parenting Naked.